Hi, my name is Isla Watson, and I am your true crime consultant, ready to talk to you about true crime. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to this bonus episode of True Crime Consultant. My name is Isla, and I am your true crime consultant here with a very special bloody Valentine's Day bonus episode. In this bloody Valentine's Day bonus episode, we will discuss the case of Stacy Sheck and how she hired someone to murder her husband on Valentine's Day. So I hope you're not expecting anything romantic from me today because you will be disappointed. Happy bloody Valentine! This is the case of Stacy Sheck. On Valentine's Day 2010, Richard Sheck was supposed to meet his wife Stacy in a Georgia park to exchange gifts and spend some quality time together. But it turned into a bloody Valentine's Day as Richard was shot dead. At first, it seemed a random attack. However, that couldn't be further from the truth as police would come to find out. Stacy Sheck worked as an office administrator at Georgia Spine and Neurosurgery Center in DeKalb County, Georgia. At the time, she was married to Richard Sheck, who was her fifth husband. According to Stacy's cousin Connie, Richard was by far the best out of all of her husbands. He was patient, compassionate, and loved Stacy a lot. He even adopted two of Stacy's three children. Richard was a good father to all three kids and really contributed to the marriage. Other than enjoying being a dad, the 46-year-old Richard had a passion for hot air ballooning, but most of all, he loved scouting and was a den leader for his boys' club scout troop. As Stacy worked as head administrator for this large medical and surgical practice, she was the breadwinner for the family. She was a dedicated mother and worked hard to ensure that her three kids had everything they wanted and needed. In addition to being the breadwinner, Stacy was also busy having an affair. She was having an affair with someone named Juan Reyes. And despite having no medical experience, Stacy hired Juan as a surgical assistant. The affair had been going on for many years. So, Stacy was busy with lots of things, but fortunately there was always time for love and romance. On the last night of Richard Sheck's life, he was cooking a Valentine's Day dinner for Stacy and her grandparents, an elderly couple who required round-the-clock care and medical attention. This again shows Richard's compassionate side. To make Valentine's Day a little more exciting and romantic, Stacy had suggested that they exchange their Valentine's Day gifts and cards in the park after Stacy finished work. Stacy had told Richard to go ahead and meet her there because the nurse that was relieving her was late. So, Richard went ahead and waited for Stacy in the park. Side note, I would never, ever wait alone in a park when it would be getting dark. There's no way in hell. And to make things worse, the location Stacy had selected was a very secluded place with no pavement, no lights, and it was just a very eerie place, and particularly at night. It was also a very dark and windy road that would take you to this spot so it's definitely a no for me i do not like that but richard was a man and he loved his wife and he had no reason to be fearful or anything of the sort he was expecting a cute little romantic nighttime rendezvous with his wife so while richard was patiently waiting for his wife to arrive at the remote belton bridge park in lula georgia he was unaware of the fact that someone was lurking in the shadows waiting for him some 30 minutes after Richard arrived, Stacy pulled up and found Richard's body lying on the ground in the dirt and in a puddle of his own blood. Richard had been shot five times. Two shots to the abdomen, one to the chest, and two in the face. Which definitely sounds like overkill. It seems very excessive and very extreme. He was shot five times. 
now a hysterical stacy called the police and when the police arrived they quickly ruled out robbery as a motive when they searched his truck they found forty dollars in the center console and also his watch was still on as well as his wedding ring and even his wallet was still in his pocket and the most valuable thing to steal was also still sitting there idling his forty thousand dollar truck nothing other than richard's life was taken that night now lieutenant franklin or detective franklin was one of the first on the scene and he says that from the get-go something just didn't feel right the shooting appeared to be over the top and completely random he said richard's just a regular guy who's unarmed and he gets there and he's comfortable enough to get out of his truck and approach the person who ultimately shot him dead and there wasn't much evidence to be found at this scene except for three sets of tire tracks imprinted in the wet soil police were quickly able to match two of the three tire tracks to the cars of richard and stacy leaving one unknown set of tracks belonging to a car which they determined had arrived there before richard and since this car wasn't around when stacy arrived at the scene they figured that this person in this car had arrived before richard got there then waited for richard shot him and then left before Stacy got there. Before the police could start worrying about the difficult task of matching the unknown tire tracks to someone's car, a frantic Stacy made a very shocking admission. Well, it was shocking to police, but it shouldn't be shocking to you, as I already told you this. But Stacy told police about the affair she'd been having with Juan Reyes. Now, was this a clever tactical move on Stacy's behalf? On the one hand, you could say it was, because it immediately got the police's attention and got them to focus on Juan as a suspect. Because based on this, it appeared to have perhaps been a classic crime of passion in which the jealous lover wants the husband out of the picture. So, who was Juan? Juan was a divorced father with a few kids and not a lot of money. Stacy spoiled Juan with lots of goodies. She paid for his truck and cell phone. She took him on romantic getaways and Juan even lived in one of Stacy's homes. And there was a secret apartment love nest. Juan agreed to talk to police without a lawyer present and said that he had nothing to do with his murder. And despite his divorce, he was actually trying to get back together with his unemployed ex-wife. Now to him, Stacy was simply a means to an end, a casual sugar mommy. So they were quite quickly able to rule Juan out, and I believe because the tire tracks did not match, but above anything else, he also had a solid alibi. So in any case, they were able to rule Juan out quite quickly as a suspect, and the police feared that they might not be able to get anywhere fast enough because of the fact that the only evidence they had at the moment were the tire tracks. But fortunately for the police, the IT technician from Stacy's workplace approached them and told them that her inbox was emptied during the days leading up to and on the day of the murder. And this struck the technician as a strange occurrence as it was actually his job to empty these inboxes and employees never fully emptied them out all the way. So he provided the authorities with the backups that he had and eventually the police learned that Stacy had transferred money to a woman named Lenitra Ross before the murder. So let's go back a little bit. How did police get to this information? So basically, police had to go through 4,000 of Stacy's emails, and in particular, two of them were very interesting to them. One was written a few weeks prior to Richard's murder to a bank, and it was a request to transfer $8,902 from a real estate account belonging to the doctor's office into the personal account 
of a woman named Lenitra Ross. Lenitra worked as a medical assistant at the same clinic as Stacy did. Then there was another request on the Friday before the murder for another transfer worth $1,100, which also went to Lenitra Ross's personal account. Police soon learned that Lenitra was renting a house from Stacy, and when the police spoke to Lenitra, she told them that she'd received about $8,900 for repairs on the rental house, and then there was another leak. So in total, Stacy paid about $10,000 to fix all these leaks and whatever was wrong with the rental house. So she sent that money directly to Stacy so that Stacy could then pay whoever was fixing all the problems in this house. Now, let's just say that the police was kind of suspicious and definitely did not believe these statements made by Lenitra. Now, I'm not sure if they asked her for receipts or whatever of these payments, but in any case, these payments were very suspicious, along with the fact that Stacy, of course, had deleted all these emails. Because it seems if you have nothing to hide, why are you going to go about deleting all these emails? But there was more. Stacy's cousin, Connie Hearn, that's the same Connie that I mentioned before, had told the police about their grandparents' car, which was a Chevrolet Impala. And she was very adamant that the police take a look at this car. You see, the Chevrolet Impala was a car given to Stacy to sell so that the money could be used for her grandparents' medical expenses. But strangely enough, the Impala went missing for a few weeks out of Stacy's driveway. And what didn't appear was the money. So, you know, the car is gone. Stacy's supposed to sell this car, but there is no money. Bonnie had the following to say about this. Stacy had claimed she'd gotten, I believe, $14,000 out of it, but my grandparents never saw the money. I thought that was kind of weird. As if this was not already suspicious enough, police find the Impala parked at Lenitra Ross's house after the murder, with Goodyear Integrity tires on it. Now, <laughs> the type of tires that this car had might not mean a lot to you. It might mean nothing to you. But let me tell you something. The unidentified third set of tire tracks were made by Goodyear Integrity Tires. So the tires that made those tracks were the same as the tires that were on this Chevrolet Impala that was supposed to be at Stacy's house but was now outside of Lenitra Ross's house. So you can kind of see there's all these little bits and pieces that are slowly fitting together and the picture is becoming clearer by the day. Now, there is more. There is so much more to discuss here, actually. So then became the question, who was driving the Chevy Impala the night Richard was murdered? Now, good investigative instinct and some common sense got the investigators to look at cell phone records. They eventually found a number that was in Stacy's phone that had made a call from that same park where Richard was murdered the night of the murder at about 8.40 p.m. And the number attached to that call was saved in Stacy's contacts under Reggie, also known as Mr. Results. And what was even more interesting is that at 8.40 p.m., that call made by Reggie was to the one and only Lenitra Ross. And who is Reddy, aka Mr. Results, you ask? His real name is Reginald Coleman, and he is a personal trainer and ex-boxer who also held boot camp sessions at Stacy's office, so that is Stacy and Lenitra's office. Oh, and he's also Lenitra's boyfriend. So this case was coming together quite nicely, I must say. 
At this point, investigators believe that Stacy had put together a murder for hire to get rid of her fifth husband, Richard. They believed that Reginald's call to Lenitra from the park at 8.40 p.m. was to let Lenitra know that the job was done. The investigators also found some chilling texts that kind of confirmed their suspicions. As Detective Franklin said, three minutes after that phone call to Lenitra, Lenitra texted Stacy and said, Forgot to tell you I'm coming in late tomorrow. By the way, happy Valentine's Day. And as it turns out, that happy Valentine's Day was the signal from Lenitra to Stacy that Richard was dead and that she could go to the park to find him. After going back and checking the banking records of Stacy Sheck, Lenitra Ross, and Reginald Coleman, investigators found thousands of dollars intermingling across different accounts. Essentially, Reginald's payment for the murder was $10,000 cash. And for Lenitra's role in this all, Stacy was going to allow her to live in the house rent-free forever. Because remember, Lenitra was renting a house from Stacy, but now she was allowed to live there rent-free forever. The three of them, the three of them were then arrested, and Stacy was the first to talk. She said that she believed Richard was sexually abusing her sons, something that she told Lenitra. Stacy added, I told her that I didn't want the police, I didn't want a divorce, I just wanted him dead if somebody was molesting my kids. Stacy claimed that she was also sexually abused as a child. Lenitra then told Stacy that her boyfriend, Reggie, could kill Richard, and she arranged for a meeting, and Stacy agreed to pay Reginald for killing her husband. But later, Stacy's son admitted that Richard never abused him. And according to Stacy, he said, I'm sorry I exaggerated. I'm sorry that I said those things. I blew those things out of proportion, Mom. Stacy also revealed more details of the plan. She said she wanted the murder to look like a robbery and was angry when Reginald didn't take Richard's belongings. Stacy also wanted him to be shot only once in the head, claiming she didn't want her husband to suffer. In the end, the mounting evidence and Stacy's confession meant that all three would be convicted. Stacy pleaded guilty to malice murder in December 2012, and not long after, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Later in the investigation, Stacy also told police that she feared losing custody of her children if she divorced Richard. And police believed that she was kind of just giving different excuses for the murder. But the prosecutors took the death penalty off the table in exchange for Stacy's testimony against Lenitra. As per prison records, she remains incarcerated at Pulaski State Prison in Hawkinsville, Georgia. So this was the case. This was our bloody Valentine's Day case. And it is honestly very bloody and very tragic. Poor Richard, honestly. And I do not believe any of the reasons that Stacy gave for wanting her husband dead. I honestly think that the only reason Stacy had Richard killed is because she felt it was the easiest, potentially financially the cheapest way to get rid of Richard. After all, he had adopted two of her kids, and since she was the main breadwinner and she was earning more than he was, I'm pretty sure she would have to pay him spousal support and maybe, you know, split her belongings and her money, whatever, with him 50-50. I don't think they had a prenup. So I think that this was for her just the easiest and cheapest way to get rid of her husband. And, you know, the fact that she was already divorced four times before this, I'm pretty sure she was thinking, you know, maybe she was thinking, you know, I've already done four divorces. It was expensive. I don't want to do another divorce, but I'm also pretty fed up with this guy. I'm ready to move on to the next. 
and this is how she decided to do it. And I'm also not sure why Stacey was married four times. I think she was in love with the idea of love, but clearly Stacey would have been better off if she would have embraced some type of successful single mom approach to life and just embraced, you know, date guys, whatever, have secret affairs, but just don't get married. In any case, she decided to do this. She could literally have chosen any other any other direction. This seems to be a theme that keeps coming back when you talk about true crime. They could have chosen any other option to solve their problems, but they chose death and murder and despair. Now, unfortunately for poor Richard, he did not get the happy Valentine's Day or the happy ever after he hoped for. Very tragic case, of course, as it always is. And yeah, as far as our bloody Valentine's bonus episode goes, that's that for this case. I tried to keep it a bit shorter than my other cases because it is a bonus episode and because there is other work that has to be done. But I really did not want to pass on the opportunity to do a bloody Valentine's Day bonus episode. Shout out to my mom for pushing me to get this out. Also, shout out to all of you for listening and for supporting my podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please spread the word, like and comment. You know, let's let's continue the discussion. You can find me on at True Crime Consultant on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok at the moment, not very active on there, but it's also at True Crime Consultant. Please share your thoughts with me on this case. Also, let me know what you thought of Sunday's case, Jennifer Pan case. That is so far so one of the most interesting cases to me. And yeah, thank you again for the support. I'm looking forward to this Sunday. We'll have another interesting case to talk about. And until then, stay safe, have a good rest of your week, and let's keep in touch. Ciao. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello, 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 everyone. So because it's a bonus episode, I decided to add some random content at the end of this episode. So if you want to listen to me talk nonsense with my mom, please stick around. Hello, everyone. My name is Ayla, and I'm going to interview my mom, who's reading. She hasn't used her brains in about 10 years. So this is for her the first time that she's reading books as she's starting a new job soon. So mom, what do you think of the process of studying? It is hard in the beginning because you know, you are like lazy, you want to watch TV, you want to do other things like me, you know, I cannot focus really 300% because I like plants, my plants, my fish, my dogs. But once I start, I don't stop. Now that I'm starting again with labor law, I thought, oh my God, it is so cool to know again. So, you know, I'm in the game again. Thank you. She's in the game again, people. See, if my mom can sit down and study and get her work done, then so can you. Use this as a lesson and as motivation. Also exciting news, my mom is going to be starting a new job next week. How do you feel about this new job and this new challenge? I'm so happy. I just told told my mom this morning that I remember asking God for years why it's not possible to just find somebody to come to me and say hey don't you work, want to work for us and this is what happened these people really came to me and asked me don't you want to work for us cool 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 so I'm so happy and excited to start next week Monday thank you for asking Yes, blessings, blessings, blessings. Now, whether it is your belief in God or your belief in yourself, 
just don't give don't keep don't give up keep the spirit high believe in yourself currently i am in a similar position you know we want better things but you have to work hard for them and you have to either believe in yourself or believe in a god whatever your faith is if you have faith if you don't have any faith in religion have faith in yourself Also, my mom wanted me to clarify for you that when I said that she has not used her brain in 10 years, I was just a joke. I was just exaggerating. But I do have one more question for my mom before we finish this episode, this bonus episode with amazing bonus content. Mom, how do you how do you feel about true crime? What are your thoughts on true crime? You mean the podcast or normal? Just in general, the the true crime, the idea content true crime content podcast uh, tv documentaries how do you feel about true crime i always liked it i remember watching when i was very young or younger than now csi and all those series about murder and uh, you know solving the murders who did that so i'm so excited and i'm listening for a couple of years now the podcast of several people talking about solve and unsolved murders and i'm so happy that you are also doing it so it's so cool keep going and don't stop yes my mom is very motivating she's very supportive so shout out to mom i definitely do think that i got my interest in true crime from my mom because we were watching csi together when i was way too young to be watching csi i've been traumatized from a young age but in any case here we have it you've met my mom maybe there is more content coming with my mom in the future some more bonus content my mom can talk forever she has a lot to say even though no one asked. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening to today's bonus episode. And I'm going to sign off now for realsies this time. And I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Ciao. Hi, my name is Isla Watson, and I am your true crime consultant, ready to talk to you about true crime.